All right. We're going to be live in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And folks, I got to tell you, I say it a lot, but tonight it's really true. This is a special show. It's another first. Uh, This is the very first person um, who is a citizen of another country who was born in that country. Uh, She has such an electric personality and is so much fun to hang with. But at the same time, you can have a real conversation with her about almost any topic. She's really smart. That's what I'm trying to say. She's married to one of my dear friends, and I was extremely lucky to be at their beautiful wedding. They did such a great job. I just wish they lived a little bit closer. Uh, So without further ado, please help me give a warm no outlet welcome. Live from Australia, here is on the program, Nicole Britliff-Connor. Nicole, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm. That's a huge introduction, Ethan. I don't know if I'm going to be able to live up to that, but um, oh, I bet you will. I am super excited to be here on your show. Good, good. Well, we're we're excited to have you. It's a packed house. The audience has posters of you and big flags with your face on it. They are they are ready <laughs> to have a good conversation. So we're going to play a game, and the game is called Twenty Questions. Okay. And it always starts the exact yep. same place, and that's question number one. Question number one, do you believe in fate? Absolutely. Mm. No question. Yep, hands down, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I have this conversation a lot with John, who's my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, he obviously grew up in America. I grew up in Australia. We've had so many sliding door moments mm. in our lives where we've been in similar places. I've been traveling there. He's been here. Um, and we met up seven years ago. Yeah. So I do believe in fate. Um, I believe that things happen when they're meant to happen. And, yeah, I believe very heavily in fate. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that there are, you know, certain things that you can do to kind of steer your fate a little bit. But um, I think there are some things that no matter what you do and no matter which way you steer, uh, it's going to end up a certain way. So we're starting off good. One for one. I like that answer. Okay. So you, as you just mentioned, you're married to my friend, John. Uh, You live with an actual American, a real life American. Um, What's the difference, the biggest difference from your perspective um, between American males and Australian males? <laughs> um, this is a great question. I, if you ask anyone that knows me, mm-hmm. I love American men. I okay. love them. I think they are so um, well-mannered. They're polite. Uh, incredibly passionate people Mm. um, in many ways. Um, As you know, John is larger than life and he's a pretty funny out there kind of character. Um, So I, I love that. Um, I think American men are probably a lot more refined than Australian men. Okay. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and I think, um, yeah, without too many generalizations, that's the huge difference sure. that I found. I think Australian men love to just hang out with the boys and drink beer. And um, I think American men are a little more cultured and civilized. Wow. I guess it's all a matter of perspective. You know, I'm, I'm going to say that's a correct answer because I don't know. Um, but if you think so, then it is it is the right answer. Um, all right. If you wouldn't mind telling our studio audience and those listening at home, because um, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong if I try to do it, what your profession is. Okay. So I am a nurse by trade. Okay. Um, when I left school, I studied business. And then I went on to study nursing. So I worked as a nurse for a while and then I got into medical devices mm. and selling medical devices. I worked for J&J for a while. Mm-hmm. And when I had my kids, I went back to nursing, which was fantastic um, to be able to do something so flexible. And then as my kids have gotten older, I've gone back into the medical device world and I currently work as a specialist in orthopedic trauma extremities so when there's accidents and things like that they call me in and I go in with the equipment and the sets and plates and screws and from hand to fix skin bones wow so you've seen (laughs) you've seen in the short form yeah I mean and and so the number of hours that you've spent in a theater, an operating theater, is is up there. And uh, at this point, you must it must not bother you like it would bother somebody like me. It must be just kind of I don't want to say run of the mill, but you're used to it, so it's it's not that shocking when you see somebody being operated on. Is that is that a fair statement? Um, yeah, that's a pretty fair statement. I think. Um... I think when you are a professional in that field, mm-hmm. I think you just dive in and, and do your job. And sometimes you step back at the end of a case and you think, gee, that was that was a scary one. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's, everyone's there. They've got a job to do. <clears throat> um, I, I know it's always different. It's always a, a bit of a wake-up call when you're the patient on the table right. or it's your relatives that are going in for surgery, it all, it always feels a lot different. Of course. But certainly when you're there and you're a part of that team, you're relying on your team and everyone sort of brings what they have to the table to get the job done. So it's, yeah, because it is a team environment and you sort of rely on your colleagues. Yeah. It's yep. uh, it's not really too daunting, but um, it's what I know. So there you go. You know, I've I often look at my hairdresser and think <laughs> there is no way I could cut hair for a living. The pressure to give someone a good haircut. God, isn't that funny? I couldn't do it. Isn't that funny? It's yeah, like... I couldn't do it. I'd rather go into spine surgery than cut um, hair. Um, that is really yeah. telling. You know, it's like somebody's haircut. Gives you more anxiety than, you know, somebody's spinal cord, literally. Wow. So when we're talking about healthcare, um, I, I, I love learning new things. So what can America, and I have no, I, I don't really understand how the healthcare system in Australia is set up, but you know how it's set up very well. You know how our healthcare system is set up. 
what do you think that we could learn from the way that you folks have your healthcare set up compared to how we do it? You know, I think a lot of people in America think this just system there is needs an overhaul, mm-hmm. and everyone's pushing for this universal healthcare, and you know, this is the way to go, um, which is kind of how it's been in Australia for a long time. But the the difference is is that like our system is starting to feel the heat of almost bursting at the seams. Right. Um, like we've got ambulances being sort of rerouted to other hospitals and sitting on the ramp for 14 hours with people in there waiting for attention. Interesting. Yeah. It's, there's no such thing as free healthcare. Um, like it's got to be paid for some way or another. And, you know, we do have free healthcare here, but we have long waiting lists. Um, we have people waiting for years for, you know, hip replacements, knee replacements, things that aren't, really urgent but have a huge impact on the quality of life of course um so you know the australian government has years ago decided anyone who can pay for health care and get private cover should be getting private cover and if you don't get private health cover but you can afford it they're going to charge you a really hefty medicare levy that's in line with private health cover anyway Right. to sort of fund the public system. So it's public health is really tricky because the population, as we're living longer and, you know, having a lot of lifestyle illnesses, mm-hmm. it, it's under a huge amount of strain. Mm. So it, there's no real way to alleviate that. Right. Um, I think, you know, certainly public medicine for people that need it, but people that can access private health cover. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 I like that answer. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like every single system, no matter how you do it, there's going to be shortfalls. It's going to be positives. And the one thing that's for certain is that you won't be able to make everybody happy. That is a guarantee. All right. Um, next question. Uh, what's it like to be married to such a complete stud? <laughs> um, it's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, it's pretty awesome. I actually was just joking with John like twenty minutes before our call, and I said to him, "You know what? I'm going to find a way to work into the conversation that I am married to the sexiest American, and I love every minute of it." There you go. And he's like, "You're such a." Well, I made I made it easy for you. I made it easy for you. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I've got to say, um, I'm I don't know if you know the story about how we met, but we actually met online. Okay. Online dating. Online dating. Yep. And I was living in Brisbane. He was living on the Gold Coast, so we weren't really geographically close. Right. But I had put in this ridiculous wish list. And when I say ridiculous wish list, I'm talking, you know, blue eyes, must be bald, you know, over six foot two, yep. must be American, <laughs> the most ridiculous list. <laughs> and there was like one person that came up in that in that hit and it was John. Oh, that's amazing. And I was like, no way. Um, <laughs> Who's this guy? So, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So I say to him all the time, you ticked all my boxes from the start. That's how I found you. Oh, you literally ticked my boxes. So, that is amazing. I love yeah. it. Um, pretty exciting. Well, and it's, you know, and just as a quick side note, this isn't a question, but it's more of a, of a comment from, from the host. And that is, um, again, I was lucky enough to see your wedding. I have seen you guys around each other and what you have is what everybody is hoping for when they have a mate. So you guys are in a good place and I love to see it. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Who is the biggest um Australian star right now and what I mean by that is not necessarily <clears throat> like a Hemsworth or you know somebody like a Hugh Jackman like because they're stars and they're stars globally but I'm talking about who is the star that's huge in Australia but maybe hasn't got that global success yet but in Australia everybody knows who this person is oh um that's a tough one. We, um, I don't know if he should be the biggest star, but we often watch the videos on Facebook of Nat's What I Reckon. I don't know if John's ever sent them to you, but it's basically this comedian that has started up a cooking channel. Okay. Um, and it's really basic, but he does, he talks everything in Aussie slang. All right. So he's we we love him. We love listening to him, and yeah, he's a comedian. Comedian first, turn chef. Um, that puts out some good recipes. We've done some of his recipes before, but you need to watch him. He's, All right, what's he's his hilarious. name again? I'm going to write this down and check it out. What's his name? He's uh, his his huge uh, his Facebook thing is Nat's What I Reckon. That's what I reckon. Okay. Nat's Nat's yeah. Okay, what I reckon. I'm going to check that out. Um, that's yeah, awesome. he's kind of like a typical Aussie guy that just talks everything in Aussie slang. And if you don't mind a bit of bad language in there, it kind of adds to the humor. No, I mean, look, if you're going to be watching something yeah. and learning how to make a meal, got to have a couple drinks, got to throw a couple of, uh, you know, salty, you know, words out there just for the extra fun. Yeah. Um, all right. Who- that's what he does. He's worth a look. What is because Australia is known for a lot of things, um, and and one of those things is uh, wine. Um, you know, there's you know obviously a lot of very famous uh, vineyards uh, in Australia, and some of them are available in the states, but some of them are not. So, same kind of question: um, What is your favorite wine that's available in Australia, but might might not be available to to any of us? Definitely, hands down, it would have to be Gant, which is a sparkling wine um, made in Tasmania. We were down there two weekends ago. Yeah. And, yeah, we pretty much drank our way through Tasmania uh, for four days. That's the way to do it. That's the prescribed method. It was awesome. It was so good. We had no kids with us. It was just the two of us. And we had a great time. But Jant is awesome. Can you I spell, love it. Can you spell that for me? Uh, yeah, it's J-A-N-Z. Jans. I like that. And I like the way you say Jans, the letter yeah. Z, Z. That's way cooler than Z. Way cooler. Uh, we have these discussions here all the time <laughs> <laughs> about how you pronounce different words. 
Um, yeah, I, I love the way John says some things, like Nissan <laughs> and Mazda. <laughs> that see, is the see I just say Nissan. Yeah. Yeah, I just say Nissan or Mazda. Right. He's yeah. like Mazda. And that's the, Sounds you know, like he didn't different. grow up in Boston, but he grew up close enough to Boston so that some of that comes out. And that's that drawing out that, that vowel, that Mazda. Like that's that, that's that yeah. Northeast uh, DNA coming out for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. It's crazy. What TV show, and you're, obviously you're a, a busy woman, you're, you're married to this, you know, great American, you've got kids that are in school still, you've, you're in and out of operating rooms, so you've got a lot of, you know, things going on, but when you get a moment to sit down with a nice glass of John's, what TV show has you hooked right now? It doesn't have to be like the best show, but just a show that you can zone out, unwind, and just enjoy yourself for a second. Yeah, look, we've got a few that we love watching. Mm-hmm. Um, we we love watching Law and Order. Yes, <laughs> SVU. There we love go. it. Um, yeah, we love that. We always love watching Cheers. Mm-hmm. We 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 sort of binge watch that. Um, Cheers, and as we in Cheers, the, on the Boston Bar Cheers. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Just way we back. That's great. Yeah, um, we we've recently become hooked on this undercover millionaire. It's um, okay. an American show where they take a millionaire and they put them in a city that where they know no one, and they've given them ninety days to make a million dollars. So that's it's like a competition. There's three of them in there, which we're really loving that at the moment. That's cool. Um, yeah, and any home reno shows. Mm-hmm. I love, I'm obsessed with home renovation shows and anything with pets in it because along with all the things you mentioned <laughs> that keep us busy, yeah. we have four dogs and two cats. Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. You've got four cats and two dogs or four dogs and two cats? No, no, no. We've got four dogs and two cats. Holy smokes, Nicole. Wow. What kind yeah. of, okay, we need some more details. What kind of dogs do you have? <laughs> uh, so we've got a Great Dane cross with a Ridgeback Get called Maverick. Get the fuck out of here. That thing is huge. A Great Dane? Yeah, a Great Dane cross with a Ridgeback. Oh and then God. we have a purebred Great Dane called Willis. Whoa. Yeah, we've got a crazy Cavoodle that I actually had before I met John and his name is Boston and I had named him Boston before I met John. I love it. Um, uh, There was just so, you know, you talk about fate before. There was so many weird little signs when I met John. Yeah. Um, That was one of them. And uh, we've got a little multi-shitsu called Marley. Goodness And then we've got two cats. We've got, we've got a little black cat called Ellie and we've got the cutest little ginger cat that I'm obsessed with, and his name is Fenway. And oh God. after Fenway Park. So of course. when I got Fenway, he was in an animal rescue, and his rescue name at the time was Boston. Oh, my God. Wow. <clears throat> so I was like, I have to take him home, but I already have a Boston. 
So we'll call him Fenway. That's a great after call. After Fenway Park, home of the Red Sox. Okay, so yeah. you've got all these animals running around. You've got all these kids running around. That sounds mm-hmm. like a, a madhouse. But let's let's talk about the detail of these cats and dogs. So, you know, uh, cats <laughs> cats in America, they're known to like, you know, the, look, I'm not a big cat person, but the reason why I do like cats is that they're out there killing mice, right? And that's a good thing. So, uh, first of all, are these outdoor cats or indoor cats? No, these are definitely not outdoor cats. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, a little story about outdoor cats. I had a cat for 20 years mm-hmm. that I grew up with, and his name was Elton. And when we moved into this house, he was um, he was an outdoor cat. And okay. he used to love sort of sleeping outside under this palm tree that we've got. Uh-huh. And one day... The kid said to me, Mom, Alden looks like he's walking strange. And I was like, mm, okay, and Uh-oh. had a little observation. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's got a paralysis tick. So the ticks in Australia will paralyze you. Oh, my God, no. And they'll basically um, arrest your respiratory system. Mm. So I took him into the vet, um, the emergency vet. And long story short, I ended up with a cat ventilated in ICU of the emergency vet for two weeks. Um, And after a few days, yeah, I was, I was like almost having a heart attack every time I got a phone call because, well, A, I was concerned about Elton and B, the cost associated with having a cat ventilated is insanely ridiculous. Oh, I bet. So, yeah, like like four thousand dollars a day, insanely ridiculous. Oh my god! So I and came up for two weeks. He was there for two weeks. So after a couple of days, I came up with this idea: we should bypass the obstruction where he's unable to breathe, and we should put a trachea in this cat. So then I just had to find a surgeon that agreed it was a good idea to put a trachea in a cat. Now the trachea in a cat is about the size of a straw. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> finding someone to do this on a 17-year-old cat Holy moly. was a little bit difficult. But you know what? He came through in the end, and I had Elton for probably another four years after that He happened. made it through that? So, ever since then, he, yeah, he made it through. Oh, my God. Yeah, he made it through. Wow. Um, and I got to bring him home. But I can tell you, the day that I brought him home... I was in tears. I bet. Sort of putting through the transaction. The lady behind the desk was like, we can only put $10,000 through at a time on our little FPOS machine. Holy And I pretty much, I had like tears in my eyes. I'm so glad to see him, but it was a pretty tough day. (laughs) You are a real cat lover, and that is undisputable. Wow. Um, I'm crazy, even. Well, Most people just say, you're crazy. No, come on. Look, you love you love what you love. And that cat, you you loved. And Elton's a great name. Elton John, obviously, I'm assuming that's where the name came from. Um, so since we're talking about uh, a musical legend, um, who's the best, and this can be your opinion, obviously, who's the best musical artist to ever come from Australia? And there's a lot. I mean, you guys are talented people. Uh, 
I think, you know, the number, I'll throw a couple out there that I like while you're thinking it buy you some time. Um, you know, ACDC classic, um, you know, rock band, uh, probably one of the best known rock bands of all time from Australia in excess from Australia, but there's a lot and I'm wondering, and there might be one that, you know, in, from your perspective is the best musical artist, but maybe they didn't ever have that worldwide global fame and they were just popular on the continent. I've got to say the first name that popped into my head along with the first name that popped into your head was ACDC. Mm. Uh, we went and saw them a few years back. <clears throat> Must have been maybe five years ago. They were playing in Brisbane and we went to their concert. It was pouring rain in this outdoor concert the entire night, but we had such a great time. Yeah, And right. for a bunch of old guys, they was still rocking. They, yeah, they put it. I they mean, were really good. That's one band that I wish I had seen. I've never seen them live, but I've seen I've seen live footage, and uh, they leave it all out yeah. there, man. They they put on a show. They people get their money's worth. That's for sure. Yeah, no, they were they were they were awesome. And I think In Excess was good, but In Excess without Michael Hutchins, like, mm-hmm. it's just not the same. No. It certainly it's just, is not the same. I mean, they sound good. They sound good, but when you think of In Excess, you think of Michael Hutchins. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to go back in the time machine here. We're going to go in the Wayback Machine. and Because, again, now you've you've your fate has led you to this man who is an American. You have, you know, you are friends with all of his friends that are American. So you get... America better now than you did maybe when you were growing up, right? In grade school, uh, America was probably more of just this, like maybe this idea that has been since cemented. So when you were growing up, um, what was your perception of America and Americans back when you were like, you know, I'm, I'm talking nine, 10 up until you were maybe a teenager in that, in those formative years of growing up, when you thought of America, how did you think about it? Well, like most people, um, when we were kids, we took a trip to Disneyland. So that was sort of the thing that you think of most. I think I was about five at the time when Mm -hmm. we took our first trip to Disneyland. And all of our family went, not just sort of my parents, but my aunts and uncles and my nana. And we did sort of like this little West Coast uh, trip and into Vegas. So we did that with a tour group mm-hmm. and the lady that hosted that tour, we ended up staying in touch with her for years and years and years. And then she would come out to Australia and stay with us mm-hmm. for holidays. And then her father, he came out here. I think the last trip he did, he was around 90. He came out and stayed. He was a real go-getter. Wow. So, we, yeah. Yeah. So we always had really good good memories mm-hmm. of America but it is such a long way to travel right it's ridiculously long way to travel from Australia but um, yeah I've never had a bad trip to America I've never met an American that I don't love I've ha- have only good things to say about America I think it's an awesome place I love it beautiful I love that that's that's yeah. great um okay so obviously australia is a huge country 
It's also at the same time an island. It's a continent. It's um, it, it's got an amazing history. Um, there's a lot going on and a lot of diversity um, from place to place, a lot of different cultures. So um, you guys love traveling. You went to Tasmania. Of all the places that you can go in Australia, what is your favorite place? If you were if you were going to say to John, "Hey, let's go here for a week or for a weekend," what's your favorite place to visit? in Australia? Definitely Tasmania. Really? Um, yep. We love it there. And especially because we can't travel internationally at the moment. We love Tasmania. Mm-hmm. It's win- like coming into the winter time here. So Tasmania is the coldest place we can go in Australia. So we love, um, we love the cold weather. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. of the time when we go back to America, we go back in the Australian summer, which we hate. And we go back when it's winter time there because we love the cool weather and I'm obsessed with the snow. I just, I'm always praying for snow when I come to America. So ta- probably Tasmania because it has the most beautiful landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, it has the cooler weather. It has great food and wine. And it's not a really busy, bustling kind of place. It's, I love that really quiet and peaceful and it's not overcrowded at all. It's just a really nice place. It's it's a little similar as well. The other place that we love to travel is uh, New Zealand to Queenstown and it has that similar vibe where it's like the mountains, it's cold, just really chilled and laid back and we love it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's Australia is – so there's places that – I know I'm, I'm never going to go to. I'm never going to go to India. No interest. I'm never going to go to Africa. Never going to go to China. I'm never going to go to Russia. But I'm definitely going to go to Australia for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know how soon that will be with everything that's going on. But, um, you know, hopefully when that happens, we'll be able to hang out and have a couple glasses of uh, of something. Some adult, Absolutely. adult beverage. Yeah. We, we can't wait to have you. It'll happen. We can't wait to have you and show you around. Yes, I I love that. Uh, a, a a perfect tour guide. You two are the perfect uh, companions to walk through that country. That's great. Um, all right. So you again, you're a parent. You and John have multiple kids, uh, and I always try to ask this question of parents. And I want to go into you know a, a, maybe a little bit more detail. Um, but what from your perspective, you growing up in Australia when you were a kid compared to your kids growing up now, um, is it more challenging to be a parent now or more challenging to be a parent when you were growing up? And what specifically um, do you think is the biggest challenge today in 2021? Okay. That's a great question, Ethan. Um, Definitely... It is harder to parent in 2021 yes. than what it was back in the 80s and 90s, um, hands down. And I think that's all attributed to the internet, social media. Um, you know, when when you did something stupid when we were growing up, the, the only person we, that really did witnessed it. Stupid. Never. <laughs> I did. I know. Um, I the did only too. people that witnessed it were your immediate friends standing there at that point in time. And maybe they went away and they told a few people, but it's nothing like it is today. That's today, so true. 
anything that happens, it's captured on camera, that gets circulated to everyone, mm. there's things going viral. It's insane. No one can do anything anymore without a million people watching them. It's it's, it's kind of it's terrifying, and it yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. And I say all the time to my kids, you know, I love the fact that you have a mobile phone because when it's charged and when it's turned on, and when you actually remember to take it with you when you leave the house, I can contact you and I know where you are. Right. The downside of that is is that every other weirdo can contact you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I don't like that. You, it's really hard to know what your kids are doing and who they're talking to when they're sitting in front of a computer without prying over their shoulder every two minutes and asking them questions. And I think you, there's a lot of trust that parents today have to put in their children. Yeah. Um, you know, and people don't really spend family time the way they used to. Like, I think we've got six TVs in this house. Wow. And, yep. you know, we've got we've got a lot of living areas in this house. So mm-hmm. people, there's a lot of areas for people to go off and have quiet time and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was growing up, we had one TV. Yep. And we had four channels on that TV. There was no such thing as cable TV. Yeah, um, I'm with you. So sister, we had four yeah. channels. Yeah. and. Yep. You know, the kids got to have the TV in the morning. The cartoons were on between seven and nine. And then it was adult programming. And then in the afternoon, it was between sort of three and five. Kids got to watch TV. And then it became adult TV and the news that no one really wanted to watch. (laughs) So it's very different to what it is now and having the internet make everything available at your fingertips. And I think it's been both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, that's very well said. I, I would agree with all that. And I, you know, the, the thing that my, I'm, I'm lucky in, in some respect with my kids because my kids are, they're 23 and 26. So they, they kind of, by the time they didn't really hit the same social media frenzy that your kids are dealing with. It happened around, you know, uh, they were like high school and just kind of getting out of high school and it really started to ramp up, but it's, it's nothing like it is today. Um, so that's, that's a huge, Mm. that's a huge difference. Um, and then the other thing, you know, like you were saying is the, you know, the, even just, even the TV. So right now you can literally stream anything on any device. You have an iPad, you have an iPhone, you have a computer and you've got a Wi-Fi. You can watch essentially anything, you know, even when my kids were, were seniors in high school or, or, you know, whatever, there wasn't that there was a lot of cable TV channels, which is way more than I had. I had the same four that you probably had in the same kind of schedule. But in in such a short period of time, just in the last, you know, 10 years, really, it's gone from, mm. you know, a lot of cable TV channels and a lot of options to every option ever. Like I could pick up my phone or go on my computer right now, go to YouTube and type in pretty much anything like how to do X, whatever X is, and there's going to be something on there. Um, so I would agree with you. Yeah. Like, I think it's a lot more challenging now to be a parent because there's so much more to try to, you know, um, stop gap. You know what I mean? Like before there's, there's uh-huh. always things you have to worry about when you're a parent, but now it's like, and the other thing that's scary about being a parent today is your kids are out in front of you. Like the kids know about apps way before the parents do. Think about when we were growing up. When we were growing up, it's like 
the parents controlled everything. There was no end around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we were passing notes. That was the, you know, that was the height of our, yeah. of our technology. So, uh, so hats off to you and John for, for, for doing such a good job being parents. Cause I know it's not easy. <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay. So what is the biggest misconception uh, that people in this country might have about Australians. So, you know, there's been all kinds of cultural touchstones. You know, you got the crocodile Dundee, you know, shrimp on the Barbie. You've got the down, you know, men at work, down under, Vegemite sandwich, all that stuff, right? Uh, boomerangs, whatever, you know, whatever other thing you want to use to describe what it's like to be an Australian. But, but all of those things are kind of like, you know, they're kind of cartoonish and they're kind of blown out of proportion. But of all the things that you've ever heard. They're cringeworthy, Ethan. Oh, I believe me. I bet they are. They're cringeworthy. <laughs> I mean, and we got plenty of cringeworthy things that are attached to our country too. So I get that. But of all those things that are cringeworthy and that are, are kind of attached to Australia, what's the one that's the furthest from being true? Well, I would like to say we, I'd like to say we don't talk like people imagine us to, Mm. Um, but we, we, we probably do. Um, (laughs) Like I'd like to say, I'd like to say we, we don't say crikey and all those sorts of things, Uh but honestly, like Australians have invented their own language. Um. We have invented our own language. And John's pretty much up with most of it now, but we shorten everything. Right. Like everything. Like if you were going to go to the service station, yep, we would call that a servo. Okay. If you were going to go to the liquor store, we'd call it a bottle Like short for <laughs> bottle shop. So like we, we just shorten everything. Yep. Afternoons, Arvo, that's just what we do. So I'd like to say we don't talk like a bunch of bogans, but we kind of do. Um, so, uh, so I think people always people people always do the shrimp on the barbie and all that sort of stuff, and right. we just go, oh my god, that's not how we talk. That's not it a knife. Probably is though. In this reality. is a knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's uh, a bit crazy, but we do like I. I I pretty much call everyone mate. Yeah. Um, like I call my kids mate. I call my parents mate. Oh, that's cool. I call my friends mate. I call strangers mate. Right. I I call everyone mate. I call the surgeons that I work with mate. It's we do use a lot of those Aussie slang words a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. People's biggest misconception is probably the wildlife in Australia. I think people are really scared the wildlife in Australia and probably yes. rightfully so because we have a lot of really dangerous wildlife here. Yeah. Um, you guys have some serious yeah, like snakes, a lot of right? scary spiders. Oh, spiders. Very right. serious snakes. Yeah. And that's the other reason why we don't <clears throat> let our animals like outside all the time mm-hmm. um, is because we, we have a lot of brown snakes around here. Um, so, so since we're talking about. There's a lot of people with. No, go ahead. Keep going. Since there's a lot of people that watch, we got no, a little bit of a time delay. I was going to say so there's a going. lot. There's a lot of people. Sorry, there's a lot of people in our neighborhood that have got pools and things like that. And mm-hmm. when it's really hot in the summertime, the snakes just 
they're attracted to the water. They just they want water to cool down and lots of stuff. So, and they jump in the pools. There is a lot of brown snakes. Yeah, they'll come to the pools. Oh, yeah, get the they don't, fuck They're not out. like jumping in there swimming or anything, but that, they're, they're attracted around. to the water where it's cooler. And yeah, <clears throat> they've they've killed like a few dogs in our in our neighborhood. Like our neighbor across the road lost two dogs. Oh my um, god! On the same day, yeah. To a brown yeah, snake. Yeah, they're crazy. Yep. Ooh. Yep. And then, uh, and then Willis's dad, like his not John, but by his biological dad, mm-hmm. um, he was recently bitten by a red-bellied black snake. A red-bellied what? Kind of snake? A red-bellied black snake, Good which Lord. is also another really deadly, um, deadly snakes but he's lucky he was a great dane they sort of got got him in time but you know this the snakes here are crazy so the spiders yeah 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 i've heard i've heard both um so since we're talking about like stereotypes animals um the the one we've got to bring up is the kangaroo right the kangaroo is uh another thing that people always think of and and you know i i i would have to admit that I have a little bit of this, but I think some people think of, you know, the kangaroo in Australia and just think, oh, they're everywhere, you know? Um, so I guess my question is, are kangaroos as prevalent as a lot of Americans would think that they are? Like, could you drive, if you're driving, and I don't mean like going into the bush and looking for them, but if you were just driving around, are you going to see in the same way that we would see like a squirrel or a chipmunk or a raccoon or even a deer sometimes we'll see kicking yeah. around. Would you see, uh, you know, yeah. kangaroos in the same way? Absolutely. Maybe oh, not wow. as much as squirrels. Yeah. <clears throat> I've never seen so many squirrels lying dead on the side of the road as what I have <laughs> on our last trip to America. I've never seen any. They were like uh, every couple of meters. Roadkill, there was baby. one lying on the side of the road. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, Maybe not that prevalent, but we went out the other night, and you'll see them around dusk in particular. So we went out the other night. We only drove like maybe 10 minutes from home. But near the golf courses and stuff like that, if if you go, if you play golf, they're always hanging around the golf course. So if you go and have a hit of golf, you'll definitely see half a dozen kangaroos while you're out there. That's so um, cool. They're crazy, though. I would not approach a kangaroo. They're oh, insane. They I'm more up, scared of they? those than what I would be a spider or a yeah. snake. Sorry? I said they, they'll mess you up. They'll, like, don't they do, like, the they'll kind of lean back on their tail and just kick you or come right at you. I mean, they're, they're not afraid to, yeah. to have a go. Yeah, those things are jacked up. Yeah. And they will, like, if you watch Australia's Funniest Home Videos, not so funny, but at least half a dozen times in an episode of Australia's Funniest Home Videos, you'll see some guy being absolutely pounded in the crutch by a kangaroo. Oh. It's brutal. Oh. Like a guy just walking over going, hey, hey, Skippy, you know, and then all of a sudden, pow, it's it's brutal. All They're terrifying. Sudden, he's not having kids anymore. Um, okay. so no, So speaking of, perfect segue, it's almost like you can see what my <laughs> next question is. What's the best uh, Australian TV show that Americans may not have heard of? Because, you know, there are, you know, you guys watch Law and & Order and uh, SUV and all that stuff. Um, but there are probably some shows that are American shows that aren't popular in Australia. And there's probably some Australian shows 
that are popular there, but just haven't had that crossover success. So what's the best or maybe most popular Australian TV show that hasn't made it over here yet? That's a hard one because I don't think we really watch any Australian TV shows okay. apart from home renovation shows. Yep, yep. <laughs> we watch a lot of home renovation shows, which are like the Australian versions of what you would have over there, like a like a love it or list it um, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, but we don't watch a lot of Australian TV. It's okay. kind of up there in that cringeworthy category. Gotcha. Gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Yeah. I don't find Australian sense of humor that funny okay. for the most part. Right. Like when we're making TV shows and stuff. I'd rather see a different location other than, you know, here. Got it. <laughs> So the answer is there are no yeah. good Australian TV shows. <laughs> I like that answer. Okay. Um, so yeah. this, this is kind of a layup question, but I got to ask it. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to I'm gonna ask the question anyways. What is your favorite U.S. restaurant? Oh, you know the answer to this one, Ethan. Um, it's got to be Massimo's. Yes. We just, we love Massimo's. Obviously, it's, Super special for us because we had our wedding reception there. You sure did. Um, We always, every time we come back home, we have to take a trip to Massimo. Yeah. Um, We just love it. It's so special to us. And I love the bar upstairs. That bar is so quaint and it just has the most beautiful atmosphere. Yes. And downstairs is so cozy. And every time I think of, Massimo, I think of sort of 50 of our nearest and dearest in there with us having yeah. dinner um, after we got married. So I, I love it there. I can't wait. One year, I want to come back there when we can on our actual anniversary and go out to dinner with everyone and do it all again. Amazing. But yeah, we, uh, we follow him on Facebook. I follow him on Facebook. And... I love seeing the dishes that he creates and I love that it's seasonal and yeah. I love that answer. I kind of knew it, but I had to ask it. So there's two things I'll say, first of all, about your uh, reception. Uh, What a, what a party, the people that you brought, I mean, you guys had a lot of people come over from Australia to go to this party. And I remember specifically hearing that the night before they had gone to the brewery and they were all drinking these like six and 7% IPAs. Um, and then they, and they went the next day and they're having Bud Lights. I'll never forget. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, this Bud Light is so nice. It's so much nicer and lighter than the, the IPAs. I'll never forget that. That was such a, a fun night. But with Massimo in particular, just talking about him, he's a true restaurateur. Like he understands what it means to own and operate a restaurant. I think it's a lost skill and he's one of the best at it. He will come over and he, he's, first of all, he's always dressed up in a suit Every you're never going to see that guy at the restaurant not looking like a million bucks. He is always on every single thing that's happening. He knows everybody. He says hi to everybody. He's very attentive. The food is always great. I mean, I've never once had a bad uh-huh. meal there. And to your point, the uh, the upstairs bar is amazing. With COVID, it's been interesting because they were one of the first restaurants in Portsmouth to have outdoor dining, and they did an amazing 
amazing job. Like they did it as well as anybody did it. And they're still, they made it through. Uh, a lot of restaurants didn't. A lot of people in Portsmouth that you've probably been to uh, had to close up uh, permanently, which is really sad. But he made it through. And um, I just, I love people like that, that have such a true passion for their career and what they're doing, that they just do it the best. And he's he's in that category. For sure. Um, I completely agree with everything, everything you said, Ethan. And just as another sort of side note to that, um, I'm not sure if you know, you probably have heard along the way, but I have really bad food allergy. Like yes. I've got an anaphylaxis to nuts. And Massimo was so accommodating when we sat down to do the menu. My favorite, like I love the duck that he does. I love, so you know, I've had it several times now and it's different every time, but it's always sensational. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much, we sat down with Massimo and went through the entire menu and created exactly what we were looking for. And we sort of, we wanted to put thing, dishes, local dishes on the menu um, that we wouldn't have here. And we wanted our friends from Australia to come and have a taste of, you know, life in America and, you know, get to sample the, the produce. And Massimo was so accommodating to us. We had, he ordered in like all our favorite wine oh, awesome. um, that we wanted to, to have with our guests on the night. So he really went over and above to accommodate yeah. um, my food allergies and make sure that everyone had beautiful food, but everything was safe for me. So if someone came over and gave me a kiss, I wasn't going to keel over. Right. Um, it, yeah, he was awesome. He was, we love Massimo. Yeah. Yep. A plus. He was great. Love that. Okay. So it, it, the For old, sure. the old adage, uh, time flies when you're having fun is so true because here we are, we're at our last question, Nicole. Um, and I'm looking okay. at the clock and I can't believe this much time has gone by, but it's true. So, um, this is, this is kind of a tough question, um, you know, to answer, I'm sure, but it's it's really more of a selfish question by me than anything else. Um, when can we expect to see you and your six foot two bald American husband back in the states? You know what? As soon as we can travel. At the moment, yeah. we can't go anywhere in Australia. It's um, it's interesting because. Australia really has not been affected. Yeah, you guys have done COVID. a good job keeping it locked down. Yeah. Yeah. We have and the thing is though is at some stage the you know the borders are going to open and people are going to start traveling again and there's a lot of countries that haven't fared as well as us mm-hmm. that are getting herd immunity and things like that. I think a lot of people here are still very reluctant to get vaccinated there's not a lot of people stepping forward for vaccinations we've had vaccinations um we had the astrazeneca one there have been two vaccines available to us in australia one was the pfizer and one was the astrazeneca Mm -hmm. the pfizer one is obviously a lot stricter in terms of storage and transportation so it can only be you know where it sits at the moment is in a few hospitals around and the only people that have access to those vaccines are people that travel to the hospitals and the hospitals aren't open to the public. So a lot of people that work in healthcare are having that one. 
Yeah. Most people that are getting it in the community setting are having the AstraZeneca one, but there's been a lot of bad press about that in, uh, you know, people under 50 having it with blood clot issues and things like that. So yeah. um, we actually had that one and then two days later it came out, all of this stuff. Yeah, um, that's what John was saying. <laughs> so yeah. oh, it was, it's a bit scary, but I don't know. I, I think, you know, without getting too political on vaccines, I think vaccinations is one of those things where, you know, you can see people's hesitancy mm-hmm. because it's been developed quickly. However, you know, the world's best scientists have been working on this problem for a year now. And, you know, I am I work in that medical field, so right. I have to, I put that trust in my colleagues because that's what I do. That's right. Um, that's right. And I, I'm not a crazy anti-vaxxer. So when it comes down to saying, are you going to have the vaccine? Wait, like, I guess because I'm someone that believes in vaccines, yeah, I guess I will. Do I want to? Uh, yeah, part of me is a little bit hesitant. But, you know, I kind of think we all have to do our part that's right. in order to make things safe and to open up our borders again. I can't wait to get back to America. I'm like, I've got itchy feet. Yeah. I've got itchy feet. We were meant to be there September last year. So it was John's 50th last year. Yeah. And I had organized a Canada-US trip as a surprise for him. And then, of course, that got shut down. Right. And then all our stuff just went into credit. And then two days ago, I received an email saying, we're going to refund your money. Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> thank God. Yeah. I, I kind of, I tried to get my money back, but they wouldn't give it back. And I think now they're realizing, I'm just glad I got it back before everyone's gone bust. So yeah, for real. Um, yeah, as yeah. soon as as soon as we can get over there and it's safe to travel, yeah. we will be back yeah. because we just love it there and we miss everyone. Particularly John, I can't imagine what it's like to live away from your home and your family and your friends in normal circumstances. Right. But certainly it's a bit nerve wracking when you've got family and friends and you can't just jump on a plane. You know in the back of your mind if you, you can't just jump on a plane tomorrow if you had to go home. That's right. I think that sort of that's not a good space to be in. But Yeah. <clears throat> you know, yeah. we love it there and maybe one day I, I mean, it'd be great to own a property there and, you know, sure. travel between two locations and live and enjoy the the best of both worlds. Yep. Yep. No, absolutely. And uh, when you guys do make it back here, which I, you know, it's, it's a tough question to answer, but if I had to guess when the all clear would be that you guys could come back here and have a trip. I mean, I got to believe that, and I'm an optimist almost to a fault, but I got to believe that sometime in either 2022 or 2023 there'll be an opportunity for you guys to get over here who knows if that's right or not but i'd like to believe that and um uh again when you come back we'll be we'll be here to have fun uh nicole you've been an awesome awesome guest if you could see what's happening in the studio audience I've got people with Australian flags. I've got one guy jumping around <laughs> pretending to be a kangaroo. I've got somebody dressed up like Crocodile Dundee. All the cringy stuff you were talking about, it's all right happening here. Oh they are having uh, a field day. They're, they're so happy that you are on the show. 
I'm so happy that you were on the show. Um, and uh, I hope you say hi to uh, to my friend John for me. And, and whatever you got, it's Sunday there right now, correct? It is. It Sunday is. morning. Yeah. Sunday morning. Thank you for making yourself available on a Sunday morning. And whatever it is you guys do today, I hope you have the best, uh, best time and, and have a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on, Ethan. We are both huge fans of your show, and we love you. Oh, we love – well, you know Take what? Take care. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Have a great night. Thanks, Ethan. Right. Thank Bye. you. Bye, Nicole.